You know, I, I can't even play a harmonica, but I'd like to join that band. How about you? <laughs> goodness, goodness, goodness. Thank you. Thank you, Josh and crew and Ab. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. This house is filling up a little more now. This house is filling up a little more. We, we greet as well all those of you brothers and sisters, wherever you may be. We heard from the last service. There were folks in Florida and Alabama and different parts of Texas and our streaming family, Pennsylvania, other places. And I don't know how, how all this is supposed to work together, but it is working together for good. This this um, season of separation and in some ways isolation, but the Lord has used it to allow the Alamo City family to just expand into places all over, and we're, we're so grateful for that. You know, heaven, I just can't stop thinking about heaven these last days, and, and when we get to there, get, get up there, there's folks from all over the place, and language isn't going to be an issue, and and housing is not going to be an issue, and no, no hospitals, and no, no police force up there, just all in the presence of the Lord, and loving each other, and enjoying being together. You know, you can meet somebody who knows Jesus, and you hadn't talked to them but for 30 seconds, and somehow the Jesus in you just reaches out to the Jesus in them. You know what I'm talking about? And there's a connection, there's a connection, and that's what's happening somehow through this streaming as well as what's happening in this room. Just glad to, glad to see you folks here and glad to welcome the ones who are, who are part of our family today. And I want you to, if you would, take your, your copy of the Scripture, your Bible, uh, in whatever form it may be in. I, I hadn't gotten too far away from these leather-bound copies. I need to see something printed but, I, you know, there are times when the phone comes in handy and you don't have your, 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 your you know, your, your seven by nine uh, copy there and you just can punch up a pastor's scripture and it, and it helps. Whatever form your copy of the scripture is in this one, I want you to find it, please, and turn with me to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, New Testament, chapter 6. And we're going to read these verses that, that have been... Um, the text or the starting point for these um, today and last Sunday. Having done everything, stand firm. Having done everything, stand firm. I'm talking to some folks this morning who are standing firm for your marriage. You're standing firm for what's going on in your children's lives. Standing firm for what medically is happening inside you. Standing firm for your professional pursuit, your company, your, your career opportunities. Some of you are standing firm for the dream that you believe God put in your heart. You didn't come up with it. You felt like he birthed it in your heart. It seems as if everybody in the Scripture who is spoken of as an example of how God uses people, men or women, younger or older, they have always had 
this one characteristic true of their lives, and it is that God had called them to stand for something. To stand, these, these four parts of standing, to stand in agreement with God. Stand in agreement. Secondly, to stand with authority, to stand with your authority that God gave you to make your stand effective. Thirdly, to stand aggressively, to stand not passively, not to hide in a position of camouflage and seclusion, but to stand aggressively. And then finally, fourthly, we'll add this one this morning, to stand with anticipation, to stand with anticipation of a result, of an effect, of a breakthrough. Now, I want to go back through some of those parts. Let's read this passage together. You follow along as I read it, and then we'll come to try to develop a few more things this, this morning in our thinking. Paul writes, verse 10, Ephesians 6, Finally, finally, you be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Folks, there's so much encouragement just in those couple of lines right there. Nowhere does Paul say, I'm expecting you to memorize so many verses of Scripture. I'm expecting you to smother yourself with so much Christian fellowship that you're going to be able to be strong in your own strength. He doesn't say that. He says, you be strong in the Lord. Somehow, folks, we've got to figure out what in the world the man's talking about. Be strong in the Lord. Does it mean just know mentally that God is strong, God is all power? that it's a good theory, it's a wonderful concept to teach on in a Bible study class, or is there something more than that? And I believe it's something more than that. It doesn't matter how strong God in himself is if somehow his strength and his power isn't operating inside me. That's what he's talking about. You be strong in the Lord. Well, what, how did he, and he uses the word finally, finally, as, as, a, as a concluding paragraph, as kind of reaching the zenith of everything that he's talking about before, he comes in and says, you finally, finally be strong in the Lord. When you back up and you read in Ephesians chapter 1 and you read in Ephesians chapter 3, you find out how Paul says for us, instructs for us to tap into the strength of that the Lord has, and it is all about the spirit of the Lord Jesus, the spirit of the exalted Christ, filling us with the strength of God, with the power of God. He would say in Ephesians chapter 1, that I'm praying that you, you, would be, you would be filled with his knowledge, the knowledge of him, that you would, his spirit of wisdom and revelation in the true knowledge of him would possess you. That's an operating of the 
spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ working in our hearts. He says in Ephesians 3, in that prayer, the praise for the that they would be strengthened with might by his spirit, by the spirit of the Lord Jesus in our inner man, inner man, our hearts, the deepest part of who we are, so that, so that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. It, it's, you can't escape it. You can't miss it. Paul teaches those things in the early chapters to be able to say, here's the last thing I want you to know. Here is the zenith of it all. You be strong in the Lord. As you are filled with the Spirit of the Lord, you're going to know the strength of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord. We say it a lot of times, the two prayers, it'll change your life. These two prayers will change your life. Jesus, save me. Jesus, rescue me. I put my trust in your death on the cross for my sins that I may be forgiven from my sins. That's one way he saves. That's the best way and the, and the eternal way he saves us. But folks, you live in this life long enough and you're going to have to be rescued lots of times. We're going to have to be saved lots of times. Jesus doesn't have to become something he's not in order to rescue out of a mess that we brought on ourselves or a mess that the enemy or people try to bring against us. Jesus, save me. Start your day. Jesus, save me. You go, you see what's coming my way and I'm asking you, Lord, in advance to, to, to save me, to rescue me today. And the other prayer is, Jesus, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your strength. It's not some crisis event that happens one time and then, and even the apostles never had to pray that again, never had to be filled with the spirit of Jesus again. It was something that happened again and again and again and again. Every time they got discouraged, every time they were persecuted and they were threatened, they would find themselves needing to pray it all over again. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Folks, we're not supposed to just go back to when we were 14 years old or 8 years old or 20 years old when we received Jesus as Savior and we were forgiven. And that's the last time we needed a manifestation of his fresh power in our lives to set us free and keep us free. We need that every day. We need that sometimes several hours in the day. Jesus, fill me. Jesus, fill me with what? Fill me with your power. Fill me with your strength. Fill me with your love and your joy and all of those things. So, so you see, Paul is saying, finally, finally, you be strong in the Lord. It, 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 it's not about how many verses we know. It's not about how long we've been sitting in a church pew. It is about the strength of the Lord alive and operating in our hearts. Jesus would say, say, in this world, you're going to have trouble. There's no magical formula to rebuke every demon and get every, everything you need all at once. That, 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 that's, that, that's, that's not anywhere in the Scripture. But he says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation, but you be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. It is the overcoming Jesus' life inside us that makes all the difference. And that's what Paul's saying here. Finally, you be strong in the Lord. In the Lord, you be strong. In the presence of the Lord will be found his power, his strength. You be strong in the Lord. You be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. Not having to beat ourselves up with, why, why don't I have any faith? Why can't I love these people who are jerks in my life? Why, why don't I have this generous heart? 
Those, those are things of looking at yourself. And, and we all will have limits if we stare at ourselves. But our strength is to come from the Lord. Jesus would say, if, if, if any man is thirsty, any woman thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is the source of strength. Jesus is the source of everything we need in order to honor him and please him. That's the difference between the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and the New Covenant, the New Testament. The New is a whole new way of operating in strength, the strength of the Lord to please the Lord. All right? Finally, 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 you be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Then he says, Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Standing firm against the schemes of the devil. The schemes, the plots, the designs, the manipulations of the enemy that work, that work. He's successful as a schemer. He's successful as a cheat. He's successful as a liar. He's successful as a deceiver. And Paul is saying, we need the strength of the Lord in order to be able to see through the cheating of the devil, to see through the lying and the manipulation of the devil. As he would seek to perpetrate those things to ruin families, to ruin our children, to rob us of blessings, to, to, to do harm and bring hurt, in the lives of those that we love and places that we, we care about. You put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, having done everything to stand firm. There's a powerful key to mercy, to mercy in this teaching from Paul. Mercy toward the people who have hurt you the most. The ability to have compassion for the ones that have manipulated you or lied to you or cheated, whatever it would be, what he's saying here is, get it straight, church. Get it clear, child of God. Our fight is not against humans. The real core of the battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against the forces, the unseen forces of darkness that are driving, that are using as pawns human beings, that are using, using the anger in, of, among the spiritual forces of wickedness, the anger there, the resentment against God and His plan. And that is, that is why people are being pushed to do the things that hurt and abuse and steal and kill and destroy. Where people are stealing, killing, and destroying, it's a result of the enemy who Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But the thief comes that he might steal and kill and destroy. Paul is saying here, 
our battle, and if we, and, and this is where we can, we can miss it, folks, in this place of standing, where we're feeling like I've got to stand against that person and keep resisting that person or that group of people or that earthly, seen, visible entity or organization. When Paul will say, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're firing your ammunition in the direction that it won't do any good to stop the assault. But you understand that our struggle, that which we are standing against, is not in the seen or the visible realm. It is the unseen that controls the seen. It is the invisible that gives direction to the visible. You place, you place your weapons, the direction of your, your weapons against the forces of darkness that are unseen. You say, but I don't understand that because I'm very physical. I'm very human. That's why Paul will say, you got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might because Satan doesn't have any concern about any of our own human authority. That which he cannot resist, that which he must back off from, that which Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It is in the name of Jesus Christ. Speaking the name Jesus, we sang that song and we, 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 we encourage you to speak the name of Jesus over those things that need a breakthrough and, and, and need healing and, and, and development and a future and a hope. We come back to that same theme again at this place of standing. You're standing in the invisible realm as you stand in the natural realm as a human, but you're standing at the place of agreement with God's heart for the situation that is troubling you, the struggle that is against you. Recognizing that even if I put the people who seem to be my biggest problem in shackles, or they get shipped away to some foreign point, it's still will not hinder the assault that is coming against me because the people are not the problem. The forces of darkness are the issue. And we are called to stand. You are called to stand. Not just the preacher, not just someone that you would consider a great mature spiritual saint, but if you have a, if you have a family, you're called to stand for your family against the forces of darkness. If you have a dream, you're called to stand for God's will, God's plan, God's heart for that dream. I can tell you that even though it makes no sense in the natural, the forces of darkness recognize it, as well as the forces of light. Remember this verse. Remember this verse. Second Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro, throughout the whole inhabited earth in order that he may show himself strong in behalf of the one whose heart is completely his. That's that point. That's that aspect of standing in agreement with the heart of God. It, there may not be an immediate effect. There may not be an instantaneous breakthrough. But when God 
finds you. Not crying out, God, you got to give this to me because I want this and because I think I need this most. Lord, I'm standing here in this situation, and all I want is for your heart to be manifested into this situation. I'm calling and following the words of Jesus. He instructed us to pray, come thy kingdom, be done thy will on this earth as it is in heaven. It's all about that posture of standing, identifying yourself, standing in the place before the unseen forces of darkness and light and saying, I am on God's side. I want what God wants. Darkness, you can say whatever you want to say. I'm not believing a bit of it. I'm not accepting one One word of your lies. I reject, I renounce every syllable. No part of that lie will take root in me. I believe, I receive, I accept, I declare the will of God in this situation. Now, folks, folks, if you will dare to stand in that place, you are a candidate. You, 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 are, you are one who qualifies for that Second Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord look throughout the earth to show himself strong. Not beefing up your strength. Not necessarily validating you or vindicating you. But you're there on God's side. You're there for God's heart. And when he comes and he brings the breakthrough for you, he's bringing the breakthrough for his glory, for his name, for his honor, and defeating the Satan, Satan schemes in the process. Agreement. Stand in agreement. Lord, my heart is yours. Now, here, here's what will happen. The spirit of fear, the demonic, satanic spirit of fear, can come up to you in the process of something like this. The spirit of fear has a personality. The spirit of fear has lips. The spirit of fear has a tongue. The spirit of fear can talk and threaten you and, and accuse and, and put before you, well, this could happen and this is going to happen and, and this, this is inevitable. You find yourself torn from that place of standing because of the successful lie of a spirit of fear. fear. Fear will capture you. Fear will paralyze you. But listen, Paul said, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The difference between the spirit of fear and the spirit of God is the spirit of fear will capture you, paralyze you, and the spirit of God will set you free. It's important. That's important to keep in mind. Fear paralyzes. The spirit of fear paralyzes. The fear of man brings a snare. It's another way of putting it. The fear of man. The fear of, a, of an earthly father who's, who's way out of bounds. The, the fear of a boss, the fear of a person, the fear of whatever. 
The fear of man brings a snare. You know what a snare is? You've, they got them, have them lying in high fence places in South Texas where the coyotes are getting inside the fence, and they'll put a snare in the place where it's dug out. The javelinas or the coyotes are getting through, they'll put a snare. And what does a snare do? It grabs a leg, or it'll grab something around the neck. And at that point, that coyote or that javelina is stuck. They can't move, they're trapped. That's the end of them. The fear of man brings a snare. Who is it in your life that poses that great fear, that great fear of man? The Lord wants you to understand that that's not his spirit behind that kind of attitude. If you can't move past that person, then that person by way of fear has trapped you. But the spirit of the Lord, fill me, Jesus, fill me, Jesus, Fill me, Jesus. Fill me, Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is the Spirit of liberty. Where He owns, where He operates, where the Spirit of the Lord is working and in control of a life, it's freedom from, it's freedom to, it's freedom in, it's freedom for, it's all about freedom in Jesus. Amen. All right? You stand in agreement with the Lord's heart, whether the Lord's heart is visibly manifested yet or not. This is a battle. The kingdoms are in conflict. The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of light. We are positioned in the lives of people and in circumstances and situations for the purpose of agreeing with God's heart for the outcome of the battle for people who are caught in situations that are happening around us. So hold on to that. Stand in agreement. Lord, remind me of what you've said. Remind me of your heart for this situation. Speak to me that I may stand in agreement. The second part of that, stand in authority. I just want to reference this. I'm not going to develop them, but in that first chapter of Ephesians, there was a declaration, and, and, and Paul was, he started the book out like this, the, the letter out like this. He ends up with, finally, you be strong in the Lord. But it, and that's the statement, be strong in the Lord, is built upon what he has written prior to that chapter 6. And in the first chapter, he's saying to the believers in Jesus, to the members of the church, to the Lovers of Jesus, they've received Christ as Savior and Lord. He says, you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You were adopted into God's family. You were redeemed. You were bought with the purchase price of the blood of Jesus. You were a slave to sin and a slave to Satan. But Jesus, 2,000 years ago on the cross, saw you coming, and he paid the price for you with his own blood. He bought you and set you free. Then he says, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. The debt is paid. The debt is paid. The debt is paid. The debt is paid. You're forgiven and set free. Chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven. Ephesians 1, 3 through 7. And then he, you skip to Romans chapter 8. And he says, you're called. You were called. Those things happened to you before you were ever born. Those things were set in motion. God set in place the way for us to be forgiven when we would, be, we would receive Christ as Savior and Lord. That's what the calling part is. We're called into an understanding 
of who we are and whose we are and on the basis of that, what we can become. (laughs) Amen. Called, called. There came a time in your life when Jesus by his spirit, knocked on the door of your heart. He was calling for you. 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 And somehow in your heart, you you answered that call, Jesus, come into my life. I, I receive you as my Savior. Somebody is hearing that statement for the first time watching or listening to this, and you've, you've, never, you've never done that. You've never known the joy of doing that. That somehow you're sensing even right now that the Lord's knocking on the door of your heart. And the Lord Jesus doesn't want to just be outside the cyclone fence around your life. He wants to move into your heart. He wants to set the captive free by his presence in you. You can right now, right where you sit, Jesus, yes, yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, the best I can, I receive you into my heart right now. You couldn't do that. None of us would have ever been able to do that had it not been the preparation of the Lord by His Spirit softening our hearts, turning our minds in the direction of the Lord and the things of God, and and giving a tenderness, putting a tenderness in our heart to want to be loved by God, not just known by Him, but to be loved by Him. That's what He's saying, called. You were called. You, you, you 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 were chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, called. And then placed, placed. You were put in the position in the family that you're in with the tools, the skills that you have professionally that have resulted in the place where you are. Placed. Steps of a good man, steps of a good woman are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in their way. So in the place where God has put you, where he has assigned you, You stand there not by some random act, but you are there because of a specific choosing and placing of God. And then this last one, we just have to mention because it's so much the context. You stand in that place, and this is the Lord's heart for us, filled with the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Filled with the Spirit of Jesus. So look, standing... You're standing where you're standing in this unseen realm, in the invisible realm, standing for your family, standing for your marriage, standing for your health, standing for your dreams, standing for your company. You're standing not just physically, but you are standing understanding the spiritual dimension of what's going on and that the forces against you are not primarily physical. They are primarily unseen and invisible. So you stand in that place in agreement with God, but here's this other. You stand in that place in the authority that Jesus has given you. It won't matter to anybody, very few, in this natural realm that you would be able to say, I am chosen, I have been adopted, I have been forgiven, I have been redeemed, God has called me into his own, and the Spirit of Jesus lives within me, and I am placed here. That, that wouldn't necessarily raise the eyebrow of very many people in this life except for your brothers and sisters in Jesus. But here's the point. 
It raises the eyebrow and it raises the consternation of the forces of darkness when they realize you realize who you are, who you are in Christ, who you are to Christ. And you stand there. The enemy is arrayed his opposition. The enemy is working his schemes against you, against those you love. But you stand there. You stand there. You're not hiding. You stand and you're declaring, I am on the Lord's side. I'm in agreement with what he wants. With what he wants. And let me tell you else, something else, darkness. God chose me. The Lord adopted me. I'm forgiven. I'm not perfect, but bless God, I'm forgiven. I've been redeemed. He's called me. He's filling me with his spirit. And I stand here not giving one inch to your lives. I stand here believing that my God in his time and his way is going to do what he is pleased to do. And the one who fills me is the one who has been given the name that is above every other name. Here's what the devil doesn't want you to know. That's why the most awful name, the most, the most, the most profane name in, in, in the closed culture today is the name Jesus. You can speak so many other, but you speak the name Jesus. Why? It's because it is the most powerful word and name ever uttered to the human race. There is no more powerful name than the name Jesus. And when you, in your place of standing, speak and keep speaking and keep appealing to the power that is in the name of Jesus as the one who chose you, the one who died for you, the one who lives within you, the one who placed you, Satan hates that. And that's why he will keep trying to come back with these feelings of insecurity and these feelings of unworthiness. And he'll try to, try to give lips to a spirit of shame. Well, well, you don't have any right. You don't have any right. And we have to keep coming back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, devil. You're a liar. That's all you know how to do is lie and cheat. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I choose what he said about me. I choose his blood. I choose his empty tomb. I choose the declaration that I am forgiven and set free on the basis of what Jesus, 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 Jesus did for me. Now you stand there. You stand in that place. And you keep declaring those truths. And you find yourself saying, stop it, devil. Bring it, Jesus. Stop it, devil. Bring it, Jesus. And you will find yourself in a place of indescribable spiritual impact, power, and adjusting, correcting change. But if we spend all our time mad at faces of humans, caught up in what they said or what they did or what we think they're doing, we're missing the target. Do you hear me? We're missing the target. We're firing all our ammunition 
at targets that don't matter, that don't count. But Paul is saying here, listen, church, not saying this to the whole human race. He's saying this to the chosen, forgiven, redeemed, called, filled with the spirit of Jesus, church. You step into your place of authority in this life, and captives will be set free. Strongholds will come down, and even the gates of hell will give way to you standing in agreement, standing in the authority, standing in the authority that Jesus has given you in his name and as his blood bought. The third part of the standing is to stand aggressively, to stand aggressively, to stand aggressively, to stand aggressively. Bottom line there is, sometimes and far too many times, we as God's people, we as Christians, we as members of the church, put up with too much from the enemy. We take too much from the enemy. We, we bend over. We, we bow down. Well, whatever will be, will be. Whatever will be, will be until, in many cases, we stand up and realize, wait a minute. I am a son of God. I'm a child of God. And the example of Jesus repeatedly was a powerful declaration of how standing in agreement and standing with authority will often be one and the same with standing aggressively. I want you to find, if you would, the Gospel of Mark. Gospel of Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And I want to read you this story. Follow along. Just catch up. If I'm already ahead of you, I got my Bible marked. I'm not that good at turning the pages, but I try to think where we're going. This is verse 35, Mark 4. And on that day when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, now remember this. Here's what he said. Let us go over to the other side. They're getting in a boat, Sea of Galilee, evening. Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the multitude, they took him along with them, just as he was, in the boat, and other boats were with them. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already filling up. And he himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And being aroused, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And he said to them, Why are you so timid? How is it that you have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, 
Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The New American Standard Version translates a word that is often translated fear in the English. So it's a, there are three specific Greek words. Uh, it is generally accepted that, that are what is used, what will be turned into the word fear or afraid in our English translations. One of them is a word that means a reverential fear, a, a reverential respect and awe of God, that the fear of God, the fear of God. We reverence Him. We stand in awe of His greatness, His holiness. A second word is the word phobos, which means fear of harm, fear of loss, fear of pain. And then there's a third word, which is the word here. It's the word that means shyness or timidity or insecurity. It's very important, folks, to realize what Jesus is saying to the disciples. He's not saying to them, why are you, of, why are you afraid of this fierce storm? He's not saying, why are you afraid that you could die in this storm? Why are you afraid of the possible outcome of these conditions? He's not saying that. <laughs> he just says, why are you so timid? Why are you so shy? Why are you so insecure? It's as if he sees and knows very clearly they had good reason to be scared out of their minds. They, they were seasoned fishermen, right? They grew up on the lake. They understood the volatility of these kinds of weather conditions. He wasn't saying, why are you scared of the storm? He said, why are you in the middle of the storm so insecure? so timid, so shy. It's the same word that Paul uses when he says to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Lord has not given us a spirit of timidity, shyness, insecurity, hesitation. But he's given us the spirit of love or power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, now here, here's, here's where we're going with that. There isn't some magical formula to pray to be filled with the Spirit or to pray that everything be rebuked off of us so that we don't ever have anything on our human side that can cause us to be troubled and frightened and, dis and, and discouraged or disappointed. The fear of loss, the fear of pain, the fear of suffering. But here, here's, here's, what, here's what happened. J Jesus would say, your, your faith is small. In, in a sense, you could have done what I just did. But the fear carried you away of the loss and the harm. Whereas there is the, there should be the realization, I already told you, we're going to the other side. You're not going down, you're going through. 
His word contrasting the circumstances of the storm. You could have and you should have trusted my word, and you could have forsaken timidity and insecurity, and you could have spoken to the storm. Hush, be still. Okay, and I, I can tell you're thinking because you got quiet. Keep, keep, keep chewing on it. Find the book of Acts. Find the book of Acts. There's, this is Peter, the denier. This is Peter, the coward. This is Peter now filled with the spirit of the living Jesus. The exalted Christ by his spirit had come to live in and operate in Peter and John. The same faces, the same people in authority who perpetrated the scheme against Jesus in concert with the Roman authorities, and the result was Jesus crucified. Those same faces, that same high priest or a member of the high priestly family in whose courtyard Simon Peter on the night of Jesus' arrest denied Jesus out of fear of what the high priest and his group could do to them. Fear captured him. Fear tormented him. Fear pushed him away. But watch this. The man let go blame from his mother's womb, Acts chapter 3, is healed. Peter and John speak to him, raise him up, he's healed. As a result of that, the crowd that gathered, the many that responded, this group of authority, religious authorities, same ones that came after Jesus, now had come after Peter and John. Same faces, same authority in place, same Roman soldiers in cohort with them. Now as they observe, this is verse 13, Acts 4. Now as they, this group of religious Leaders, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. As they observed the confidence, as they observed the boldness, as they observed the freedom from fear in Peter and John, they were stunned. They were struck, and there was something about that, that sense of, of resolve, that sense of determination and peace that they saw coming out of Peter and John that reminded them of what they saw coming out of Jesus. Folks, listen, to know Jesus and walk with Jesus is not to guarantee every bill paid. It's not to guarantee everybody that was against you is now going to love you and fall all over themselves trying to tell you what a great person you are. It is instead, even when those people and those places and those circumstances are in as much power and authority as they've ever been, and you're called to stand in that place, that what can happen is the Lord, by the power of His Spirit, can cause there to be something else to rise up inside you. The outer man gets fed with all of the fears and all of the worries and all of the threats, but the inner man, Paul will say, the outer man perishes, but the inner man is renewed day by day. The ability for you to stand, and you're more amazed than anybody that what used to paralyze you, 
What used to shut you down, it's there. The threat is there. But there's another voice inside you. There's another sense of resolution and confidence knowing that I'm chosen, knowing that I'm loved, knowing and sensing the power of God in my heart. And my mind isn't freaked out. My mind is steady. Standing here trusting you, Jesus. And I bless you for that assurance and that comes in my heart. Well, then you go down one other verse out of Acts 4. They were released from the Sanhedrin. They went and got with the other apostles. And they prayed. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You could add the word again. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. Why would Luke put it this way? It's because the Spirit through Luke wanted us to know it's not one size fits all forever in this matter of being filled with the Spirit. They had been drained there was, there was weakness. The humanity, more than likely, had risen up within them, being interrogated, being thrown in jail, all the, seeing those faces. The, the humanity rose up within them. And the Lord knew that if they were going to return to that place of freedom over the fear, they were going to be, need to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus all over again. And that's exactly what happened. They were filled with the Spirit, it says, with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Don't miss this, church. As if there's going to be this, this sudden removal from the human side of you of the big voices and the big faces and the, and the threats that can be perpetrated. That may stay there in steroids. That, that, that may stay there to an exponential degree. But something else will happen inside you. It's that even with the worst that they can bring to you, there comes to be that resolve by the power of the Spirit of Jesus inside you that you look them in the eye and say, I don't agree with one syllable. That is a lie. Jesus is the truth. That is a lie. Jesus is the truth. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. There comes a time when the Lord may have you speak to the storm. If Jesus is saying, where is, where is your faith? Why are you so timid? It, it, it begs the question, <laughs> why did you wake me up? You could have done that. The storm is real. The storm could be deadly. But I told you. We're going to the other side. You know who I am, or they were learning who he was. The Son of God, the author of all creation. John, who was in the boat, would write later, there's nothing that has been created that wasn't created through this Jesus. If I'm here, and I gave you my word of where we're going. You could have spoken to the storm. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a Shirley story real quick. 
in our years of ministry, there have been times when the spirit of fear or the spirit of intimidation, more, more than just us getting a little tired and drained, but seasons when it would seem like something bigger than the human realm would be working against us. On one of those occasions, and she must have looked over at me and seen that I was getting beaten up pretty good. I didn't have a counterpunch. She just started talking out loud. Spirit of fear, I know you're in this room. Spirit of fear, you have no place here. In the name of Jesus, get out of here. In the name of, she walked over to the front door and opened the front door and said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. Not over there. Some of you say, I don't believe that. I don't care. You weren't there. It wouldn't matter to you what mattered to us. But I can tell you, the door closed, and it was as if the atmosphere in that room lifted. The heaviness was gone. There was a spirit of fear and intimidation trying to work to discourage and break and beat down and whatever, and she saw it. She sensed it, and she spoke to it. She spoke to the storm. There are some times when you stand that the Lord will have you in your submission to him be his mouth to declare his truth. And what his heart is. Spirit of truth, not the spirit of fear. There's one final spot I want you to notice. And this is in Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Paul is at Corinth. He's on one of his missionary journeys. Listen to this. There had been some progress made. A few believers in the pagan city of Corinth. But Paul had already been run out of town before. Paul knew what the, the Jewish system had against him, and they didn't want to hear of Jesus. So he was aware of what the system could do. This is what it says in Acts chapter 18. I want you to know this is in your copy of the Scripture. We're just about done. Acts chapter 18, verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer. That's the word phobos, meaning the threat of loss, harm, danger, pain. Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in the city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the Word of God among them. The spirit of fear 
was saying to Paul, run, get out of Dodge, protect yourself, leave here now. But the Spirit of Jesus to his Spirit, even though the same leadership was in place in the city, religiously as well as politically, Jesus said to him, don't be afraid. Don't fear the pain, the threat of pain, loss, danger, even death. Don't be afraid any longer. I'm with you. You stay here because I have many people in the city. The blessing of God, hear this, the blessing of God unleashed on Corinth was dependent upon the apostle Paul refusing the spirit of fear and embracing the voice of Jesus to his heart. So the spirit of fear will work you over like a $2 radio, talking and yapping and bringing in all kinds of things and raising questions and what if. Lord, is it you? Lord, what do you want me to do? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. Paul was not disqualified in Corinth because he was having to deal with those human emotions and the enemy knows what to try against us. Paul wasn't in trouble. Just like the disciples weren't in trouble for being afraid of the storm. All Jesus was saying to them was, wait a minute, why are you timid? I'm here. I've already told you the outcome. You speak to the storm. Paul, you speak to the city. You stay here. You speak my name. I'm here, and I will cause all of those threats to fade, to dissipate, to be of no effect because I'm with you. Folks, if the enemy can get us to stop standing in agreement in the authority we've been given, aggressively, and with anticipation. He'll do everything he can to try to make it happen that we back off. But I'm talking to some stubborn followers of Jesus today. God bless you for your stubbornness. (laughs) Stubborn as a mule in a holy sense. Lord, I'm not budging from this place for my family. I'm not budging in this place of agreement for this healing that you have promised, for this blessing upon my dream, this prospering of my company. I'm standing in your strength, Lord. My flesh is weak, but by your spirit, my spirit is strong. Amen? Amen. Amen. Folks, for some of you, I just need to say the blessing's close, the breakthrough's close. The end is near. The brand new beginning is at hand. Don't give up. Don't stop. Get your eyes fixed back on Jesus. Know that you're positioned in that place in agreement with him because that's where he wants the blessing to come. He wants you to be a part of the victory and to know it and to see it. And Satan will always fight unfairly to dislodge us from the place of standing. 
Stand. If you've never received Jesus as Savior and Lord, this is the best day that there'll ever be for that to happen. Open your heart to him. You hear him speaking. You hear him calling. Just, oh, you just, yes, Jesus, the best I can. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Let me ask all of you who are here to stand with me, would you? And our prayer partners, if you'll begin to make your way toward the front. And we're going to have a closing song here in just a minute and be able to, to, to leave with worship and praise in our, in our hearts. And if there, but there's something, if there is something we can pray with you about, if you're here today and you need someone to be praying with you for the Lord's outcome in the situation that you're in the middle of, you're wanting to stand. It just helps to feel like there's somebody standing with me, standing with me in that place of, of agreement with the Lord. Our prayer partners are here to, to pray with you and stand with you. Pastor Walker at alamocity.org, if, if, if there is a prayer request, there's something going on in your life in our streaming family that we could pray with you about, our intercessors take that role very, very seriously. And we look forward to hearing from you if we can pray with you and stand with you for God's will to be done. I just want to say, bless you and thank you for your praying, your encouraging, your support, your texting, your Facebook stuff. Let us know that you're encouraged and being blessed. And for the financial giving that, that so many of you have, have helped us with. It helps us to be able to do what we do. And, and we thank you for that. We bless you. We bless you. Lord, write these things across our heart where we need for them to be written. Would you not allow the enemy <clears throat> or even the weakness of our own flesh to just forget about some of these things that were timely for today for the places you've called us to stand? Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come this way if you need prayer. Worship with us as we close. God bless you. God bless you.